Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Saving money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at World Cup qualifying continued last Friday for the USA as the U.S. and Mexico descended on Cincinnati to to renew their rivalry for the third time this year. With late goals from Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney, the U.S. managed to get a surprising Dos Acero victory over El Tri, the 10th such victory over the last 30 years. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Yanks Go Talking. My name is Thomas. I am filling in for Jake as the host today. Unfortunately, Jake and Ryan are not able to make it, but I do have a special guest with here, here, here with me today. His name is Manny. He's here to help us break down the U.S. versus Mexico game. Manny, welcome to the podcast. Uh, glad to have you here. Uh, go ahead and take a minute to introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about how you got into U.S. soccer and anything else you want to tell us about how you follow the team these days. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, Tom. Um, so I go by Rampage Bobby on Twitter. Um, I'm the creator of the U.S. soccer discord, uh, where Tom is also a moderator. Um and um, what else, what what else was I supposed to mention? Just sort of how, how you got into the game. How, oh, how you became so, a fan of the U.S. So it's funny. Um, I probably would consider myself like maybe like a veteran, um, like a veteran when when it comes to like watching them. Uh, I actually started watching uh, soccer uh, during the summer two thousand six. Um, NBA finals were over, didn't really have anything else to do or watch. Um, and so World Cup, I think, was, was also on ESPN. And so just decided, it was like, okay, well, this, you know, this looks cool. So I think the U.S., 
I like I think like leading up to it, they were, you know, were they were talking about the US because like I think at that point, the the uh at that point they were like ranked fourth in the world, I think leading up to the World Cup. So like they had a lot of hype. And so I think ESPN at that point was hyping them up um because the World Cup was on, on ESPN at the time. Um and so I was like, okay, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and watch it. And so I didn't really know like I didn't really know the rules or anything to it. I was just like, okay, this this looks interesting. So you know, I only had I only had nothing but time. So like I was just sitting there, I was watching every match. Um, and then like I just got it just became like a rabbit hole. Like I just started going down in and just started learning like the different players and what clubs they they, <laughs> they played for. <laughs> and then I think I came across Ronaldinho and I started looking at his like highlights. I was just I was blown away. I was like, wow, this guy plays, you know, this guy plays football. Like he's 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 like amazing and so that's where it all started so yeah that's, Dang, that's well crazy story you got a couple of years on me following the u.s men's national team uh, i think i said this back at the beginning of this podcast but started following around 2010 it's sort of a very similar story for me following the 2010 world cup and donovan's goal well let's go ahead and get into this game because this was at least for me one of the most exciting U.S. soccer games that I think I've ever watched. And I wanted to get your take on it because you were there, right? You were in the yeah, stadium. That, yeah, yeah, I was in the stadium that, that night. Um, I don't, it, 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 something about that night just felt different than, uh, you know, I've, I've been to a few few matches, but something about that match in particular, it just, the atmosphere, the... I felt like the the magic was was there even before the game even began. Like I just, even though the like the the weather conditions weren't probably the most you know uh, ideal, it just had that feel of like something in the air, something what was gonna you know something great was gonna happen. Um, the atmosphere was great, and then you know obviously we got the result. But yeah, it was definitely. I would say it was probably one of the the best sporting experiences that I've ever witnessed live it it looked like a lot of fun i'm really jealous that you got to be there yeah i mean just seeing the march to the match beforehand from american outlaws with the flares going off and the entire stadium coming in to like boom the national anthem out like they did it really felt like a special environment to be in and heck the weather probably even contributed to you know mexico having a pretty bad performance but I'm just that's that's just looked amazing. And I'm glad that Cincinnati turned out for the game. Glad that we gave had a great performance for American Outlaws and that the Yanks managed to put on a great show. As for the game itself, it was. How would you rank it in terms of U.S. performances? Because for me, that might be like one of the three best games I've ever seen the U.S. play. I would probably have to rank it up there as well. Like the I've never seen our midfield dominate a team uh, 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 a decent team I'll, I'll put it that way a decent team in that type of manner where it, at times it was like Mexico couldn't really get much through their midfield and so I, I felt like they just kept booting it or, or tried to like pass you know tried to bypass our midfield but it, it was a very strong um performance by you know the the mma midfield it 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 definitely was and and also a strong performance by the the back line too in my opinion 
Yeah, I, I agree. It was a fantastic performance. I, I commented bef- during the match in the Yanks Go Talking Discord that I have never seen the U.S. blow Mexico ball off the ball the way they did and just completely dominate the midfield. We've seen the MMA midfield, I guess, three times now in qualifying, and we've seen them get progressively better. We saw them dominate Jamaica and thought, okay, this is a pretty weak Jamaica team, and then saw them take the game to Costa Rica and thought, okay, this is a pretty old Costa Rica team. Can they do it against better opponents? And I think this is probably the best test to say that they can do it against better opponents because Mexico didn't trot out a rotated midfield at all. They started Edson Alvarez. They started Hector Herrera. We still blew them off the ball and took the game to them. And that was frankly shocking to see and completely different from what we saw this summer. Definitely. Um, I was I was there at, at the Nations League final. And to kind of just see the contrast of um, what we trotted out in midfield then versus what we, you know, what we're trying out now. And it's like a night, night and day difference. Like I, I felt like, Mexico, for the most part, in that Nations League final, like I felt like that they were able to kind of control the tempo of that match. But in in, in this particular match, um, we controlled the tempo, and it just it just never felt like Me- Mexico had any type of control in, in this match. So w- without that, I felt like there was no there was no actual threat of a goal coming, even though that there was a couple chances that Mexico had during the match, we still just, you know, I, I personally felt, and I, and I, I mean, and I, and I think, you know, listening to different podcasts, different talking heads, they also felt like they didn't, you know, they, they didn't feel that there was a threat of a goal coming. Like they didn't think that Mexico had a chance at winning this. Yeah. Uh, once, yeah. Once the game started rolling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they had the three or four good chances in the first 30 minutes or so. But even when they were creating chances, I felt like we had the ball and we were just sort of camped on the outside of their box, which is not the way the Nations League went, not the way the Gold Cup went. They just kept sort of coming at us, sort of almost the reverse of what we saw in this game. And we're just sort of in this one, they were trying to hit us on the counter quickly, play out and try and get something going with three or four passes. In contrast, the U.S. was just sort of anytime the ball got past the forwards, one of the MMA midfield would take it, turn it back the other way, and start a new attack. Or they would cycle it back to the, the defensive back line, and the back line would get it going up the wings and get a new attack started. I've, I, I'm just you know purely impressed by that sort of display from the midfield. And I've said it before on this podcast, but I do think the midfield is the key to keeping this team together and the key to the team's Mm-hmm. When we lost to Panama, I felt like the midfield was lacking. Mm-hmm. In the Gold Cup in the Nations League, I feel like the midfield was lacking at time. It definitely wasn't last night or in, on Friday night, and that's just fantastic for me to see. Yeah, definitely. That that is the I would say the the, the heart and soul of the squad. Um, because if they're if they're not rolling on also, there's especially what what Greg wants to do, especially with the formation. If they're not rolling on all cylinders, then you know it's going to be tough to 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 eke out a result. But when they're on their game, like you saw on Friday, they're you know they're they're I can I would consider them the best midfield in Concacaf. Um, oh, easily, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tyler Adams is better than Edson Alvarez, and 
Eunice Musa and Weston McKenney don't even compare for me to Hector Herrera. And I forget who started as the third midfielder. Uh, Romo. I think Romo. Yeah, it was Romo. Luis Romo. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 McKenney and Musa, especially Musa, man, he was fantastic. Yeah, for him to, it just seems like they had no answer for Eunice Musa. Like, they'll try to press him, they'll try to pressure him, you know. He, he, <laughs> he will, he will <laughs> dribble right the opposite way from him and, you know, lose the marker. And look, I, I'm all for, 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 uh, John Luca Busio. And I, I like the fact that he he went over to Syria. He's he's playing every week, and you know he he has his positives. But for what you know, for what Greg wants to do, and how Musa's playing, I I just I just don't see how you can just say that Busio is is the better player. I don't know. I I I've, I've watched both. I like both, but. If if I'm starting one, I'm gonna start Musa, and that's no yeah. and that's no shot to that's not no that's no shot to Busio. You know, Busio's a good player in his own right, but I just feel like Musa is is a better fit in this midfield for this formation and these tactics. That's that's just my yeah. personal opinion. Yeah, I would agree. And the more I watch him, the more I'm shocked that Valencia doesn't give him more of a shot in the center midfield. Because we see him play in Spain, he doesn't look nearly this good. But every single time I watch him play for the U.S. men's national team, I'm blown away at what he can do. And Busio's improved a lot. But Musa, he's got something special for only being 18 years old. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, his type of uh, dribbling, close, like close, tight dribbling and, and, and being able to keep possession, not a lot of 18-year-olds can, can do that. And I, I don't really know. I really don't know, know his club situation or like that. And um, I, I do remember at, at one point, um, Emery, the the guy who uh, was coaching PSG and Arsenal, I think at one point he he was the he was the coach at Valencia, right? When um, mm-hmm. and he was playing like a block four 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 two or something like that. And so like mm-hmm. I I could kind of understand then like why. He might not have been playing in 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 the center, um, but I just like I, I don't understand why he doesn't play in the center more for Valencia now. Um, he he's clearly shown that he can he can play, um, but yeah, I I don't understand. I really don't. It is it is it's, it's very baffling. But hey. Whenever he plays for the, you know, when he, whenever he, whenever, whenever he plays for his country, you know, he plays lights out. So that's all you can really yeah. ask for. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> no matter what the club situation is, if he keeps playing like that, he's locked on as a starter for me for the U.S. So speaking of lineups, let's go ahead and like break down the U.S. lineup a little bit here. We came okay. out with Zach Steffen in goal. Then we ran out a back line of Anthony Robinson. Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman, and DeAndre Yedlin, four across the back. We ran Tyler Adams as our defensive midfields, our six. We ran a dual eight of McKenney and, a- and Musa, uh, which was expected. And then we ran a front three of Brandon Aronson, Ricardo Pepe, and Tim Weah across the front. Oh, were there any surprises that you saw in that roster that you didn't 
expect to see when they announced the game? We're expecting something different. Would you want to see anything that Burhalter did that you might have done a little differently yourself? No, actually, I think this was the expected lineup. I think from, again, from most pundits, from most talking heads, um, probably from majority of the fans too, knowing that Pulisic wasn't going to start the game. I think we all, all you know, I think we all knew that. Um, I think that this was the, the best case, um, the best case lineup. Now, some people may have argued, you know, maybe Chris Richards should have, been put, you know, been placed in the starting lineup. And while I think Chris Richards is going to be the the best center back, give give him about a year or two. Um, he's gonna be he and he's gonna be the best center back by far in the pool because he has just such a large toolbox athletically, technically, you know, technically um sound. Um he just he has a few deficiencies like strength in the air and just just getting you know just getting stronger overall but like and also you know experience but once he gets those things he will definitely he will definitely be by far the the number one center back um i just don't think that you mess with like it's such a pivotal game like i united states really needed a result in that match and you got the continuity of Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson. Um, I, I think you just had to stick with them because they've, um, you know, they they've been they've done it these past few windows. But also too um, that I think is, is also the key is that they're both athletic and both can both can cover ground. Both may not give you the type of um, service on the ground that you would want but in in this type of match and this is where I felt like Greg had it right um by by inserting Stefan and having other you know midfielders maybe dropping back into the back line to try to receive the ball you know it just probably it just wasn't necessary that we needed them to carry the ball but um yeah, I I think it was a good lineup all around. Um, yeah, I, I I tend to agree. I I know last week on the podcast we talked about the lineup pretty in detail. Uh, me, Ryan, and Jake had wanted to see Richards and Scally get inserted in, but basically this was the eleven we sort of discussed and talked about, with the exception of Turner and Stefan. I think that we're also pretty split on which one we like to see, but. I was very happy to see Zach Steffen play. As much as Scally and and Richards have huge upsides, I, I agree that you know you don't mess with continuity. You give your veterans a chance to you know show get you the result you need. And Richards or Zimmerman and Yedlin were fantastic. So Greg oh, yeah. clearly got it right. And I was really glad. I think we had expected that Paul Ariola might get the start over Tim Weah. I was really glad to see Tim Weah get the start because. He was great. Mexico had no answers for him. And I just think he's a better player with a stronger upside than Paul Ariola is at this point. So overall, I was really happy with it. And it was almost the perfect lineup given the players available to trot out for this game. You could make the argument for John Brooks being there, but I don't know. Walker Zimmerman was also really good. And so given performances like that, it's hard to fault Greg Berhalter for any decisions he made. 
Yeah, I, I really think he he got it one hundred percent right. Um, from the from the lineup down to the formation to the tactics. I mean, the formation. He, he it seems like he's going to be stuck on a on a four three three. But it, it, I mean, how can you how can you fault it when you know? I, I haven't looked at that. You know, I haven't looked at the, the advanced statistics, but from like the infographics that I see on social media, it seemed like. MMA really Mexico had no answer and it just seemed like it was total domination. So with that, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you fault Greg for that? You know, you can't. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I had a chance to dig in a little bit, but not a whole lot. The surface level statistics really tell the story. If you go back to the gold cup, the USA got outshot 22 to 14 by Mexico. Mexico had 64% possession to our 36%. And we both created 13 chances, although most of ours came at the very end of the match when Mexico was pretty tired. In this one, we had a completely different turnaround. We outshot them 18 to 8. Over the 32nd to 88th minute, we outshot them 12 to nothing, which is insane. We possessed the ball an even amount. Mexico had, I think, a 1% possession edge. And we created 14 chances to their three, which is an insane statistic. I don't think of it ever seen a Mexico a US Mexico game where Mexico was held to just three chances. I mean that's yeah. that's great. Yeah, I I yeah I've been like I said I've been watching these for these matches for a while and um they're even they they're these matches have e- have been either like close matches where like you know the both teams are like really good and and they're fighting or it's just been my mexico domination i i you know i haven't seen a, a usa match since i've started watching soccer where the us has just like handed mexico like mexico yeah. had no answers for him i've i've never watched you know i've never seen a a, a usa mexico match like that so yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you go back to the two this year, I sort of felt like we were kind of hanging on for dear life for most of the match and sort of mm-hmm. praying they didn't get the go ahead goal, <laughs> which, yeah. you know, give Craig, Greg all the credit in the world. They definitely they had it figured out on Friday night and the stats tell that. And if I had to give Greg a grade for his performance, I would be giving him an A plus. If you had to give mm-hmm. Greg a grade, would you go A um, when I give him an A plus, the only reason why I can't give him an A plus is because I I feel like it could have been better. Like that first half, like creating chances. He's so he's so married to four three three that I think that he he puts a lot of pressure on the wingers to create and to assist. And make stuff happen because the the midfield um, is going to be doing a lot of the, you know, the the running, trying to get possession, trying to keep possession, and I think he puts a lot of responsibility on his wingers, and that's kind of like where I I can't personally me personally I wouldn't give him an A plus I'll probably give him just an A, <laughs> but that's not to say that but that's not to say that you know. He didn't, you know, he didn't get a lot of things right. He did get a lot of things right that night. So A plus yeah. is like when A plus is like 
you're perfect, basically. And I, I don't think it was mm-hmm. perfect. I just think that it was a great performance altogether, though. So Fair. When we're arguing over A's and A-pluses, I, I'm happy with that. I'll take that any day of the week, especially when we're arguing about that over a Mexico match. So I, I'm, I'm happy with that. With that, let's go ahead and move on to our one of our recurring segments here. Let's head over to our Stars and Strikes. So in this segment, go ahead and give me your three players who you'd give a gold star to uh, to start out with who you think were the sort of three top performers or your three, like, you know, standout performers from the match. Okay. Um, obviously, you got to, you know, obviously you got to give Eunice Musa a star. Um, so I'll, I'll say this. So we we knew that like McKinney, and we knew Tyler Adams. We knew that they were good players and they were going to factor into this midfield. But we knew we were missing like another another midfielder to put on on the other side because like I think initially when we started to gain all of these young players, we were we were thinking probably a four four two three one. And then mm-hmm. the four two three one is now starting to be phased out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so now we have this four three three, and it's like, okay, we have two midfielders, and but we probably need another one. And then all of a sudden, you know, Eunice Musa appears out of nowhere, you know, and I and I and I think and I I mean and not to say that that. USSF wasn't aware of him, but I feel like us, the people of the of the social media world, made it you know made it be known to to USSF that there's a there's a kid out there that was born in America that he's he's playing a La Liga right now and he's getting minutes and he's been a revelation. He has been a true revelation, and he gives you a lot of the same stuff that. Um, Weston McKinney does, you know, the, the engine, the strength. Um, but he also, you know, but he also brings a little bit of, uh, of dribbling flavor, um, to the squad and being able to, and to be able to, so like, for example, you know, soccer is all about, you know, your matchups and winning your matchups and whatnot. And when another team presses you, and you can beat your marker and be able to progress the ball. That's that that is an advantage. Like that that's a mm-hmm. super advantage. And we don't we don't really have too many of those in the pool. So to gain another one of those, you know, players only makes the team better. So he definitely gets uh he definitely gets a star. Um star number two, Tim Weah. Tim look, Tim Weah, obviously. <laughs> Um, he put in a shift. He put in a real good shift, and and I hope this pretty much puts a nail in Paul Ariola's <laughs> coffin if we ever seen him um, start a match. Um, he he was, I mean, he was nothing short of amazing. Like he defensively, you know, making sure that he's he's um, dropping back. Um, and then getting forward, the verticality, uh, verticality, verticality <laughs> that Greg <laughs> wants. He was he was doing that, and then then some. And this was like the second straight game where he's 
well, for us, where he's, you know, he's put in a good shift and, you know, just causing all type of havoc and problems. So he definitely, and I think had, you know, had Pulisic not scored or, you know, not came on and, and, and did the heroics that he did, he probably would be man of the match. Um, and then, you know, star number three, obviously, Pulisic. Um, dude is... I've watched him a few times and like, it's like a night and day difference when, I mean, no offense to, to Brendan Harrison, Brendan Harrison is good in his own right, but to see the quality is just like, I honestly, like if you've never been to a, a match, you need to go to a match and you need, and like, if you ever, if you're able to see Pulisic, watch him. He is so clean on the ball. His touch is so clean. His turns clean. And then he's just zooming. Like not a lot of not a lot of players in the world can do that. And he's one of the very few in the whole entire world that can do that. Dude is special. Oh, yeah. The, the yeah. guy that kid is special. And oh yeah. You know, and he and he proved it. And he proved it once he came on. The, the, it seemed like the game changed after that, you know. So yeah, yeah. those would be those would be my three. Um, I think those are pretty good three right there. <laughs> you got a, three really good choices. Although I don't think there are a lot of bad choices in this one. I, I kind of feel that Pulisic uh, changing the game. He sort of seemed like an instant spark uh, as evidenced by he scored within five minutes. When I was at the American Outlaws bar here in Albuquerque and he got a standing ovation when he, when he came onto the pitch, which is just how shows you how much he means to the U S fans that we knew he was coming. We knew what he could do. And he, you know, still delivered an amazing goal. I'm going to go in a little bit different direction for my three stars of this match. I, Like I said, there's not a whole lot of bad choices. My first star, I'm going to give it to Weston McKenney because he was, you know, he was everywhere. He was pinging balls left and right. He was joining in the attack. He had a really great strike from the top of the box in like the 48th minute. I thought he was really aggressive on defense, made some great tackles. And his goal was sublime. Sort of took it himself and did a great job to make sort of make tidy work of that finish. Loved what I saw out of Weston McKenney. And even though he got suspended, I really do like seeing him go in and fight for his guys. I like seeing him go in and fight. I think it was Wea who got tackled on the side. Maybe it was Yedlin. But he, Musa, and Adams went charging in to basically fight Hector Herrera and Edson Alvarez. And then a few <laughs> minutes later, when... Chaka Rodriguez is clawing at Brandon Aronson's face. Weston McKenney's the first there to sort of break up the situation and sort of fight for his teammates, I guess, health, safety. I I know he got suspended for it, but I really like having that a player, a bulldog who's just going to sort of go out there and say, okay, you're not going to get my guy, otherwise I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, that's sort of what McKenney brings to the table that no one else really can in the U.S. pool, with the possible exception of John Brooks. But yeah, so McKenney, easy first star for me. My second star, I'm going to give to Walker Zimmerman. It's sort of, you know, one of our selections we talked about is, you know, maybe not everyone's most popular before the game, but he was fantastic. I'm not really sure he put a foot wrong the entire match, with the possible exception of that really great chance that Chucky Lozano got early in the match where, he just sort of got taken out of the play in a great move. But, you know, one bad moment over the stretch of 90 minutes against Mexico is going to happen. And 
he was just a brick wall beside that. Pretty much every single dangerous moment for Mexico ended up with Zimmerman cleaning it up. I think there was even a moment where Raul Jimenez got free and he made made his way back to win a 1v1 duel against Jimenez. Then the ball floats out wide and gets crossed in by Tecatito and Zimmerman's dropped back to head it away before the play continues. So he had maybe two or three different moments on that single play alone. But just looking at statistics, he was 8 of 10 successful on his duels. He won four of his five aerial duels and he managed to get 13 clearances in, which is fantastic. It was a great shift from him. He was actually probably a little bit cleaner than Miles Robinson. And, you know, I was just really impressed with him and glad to have that stability in the match. And then my yeah. third star, what, go well, ahead. Question, well, question before you, you go to the third star. What, what do you see his, his uh, ceiling? Do you, do you, do you think that Europe is calling or do you, do you think that ship is sailed for him? If he's going to go, it's got to be like right now. I think Aaron Long is a few years older than him, and I think Long's window just closed with this injury. So Zimmerman's window is closing if he's going to go. I just don't know if he's as good a good enough passer to really draw European interest at his age. He's a really athletic defender and a really really great in the air. He's an aerial threat, but I just I don't see his passing being good enough for a European backline these days. I, I was thinking the same thing too, like. I, I, athleticism, I think we 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 all can all can say athleticism is very important, especially how the game is now. And so having having center backs that can cover ground, I think is is important. But with how teams are pressing, are are are, are high pressing and pressing more high up the field on on teams, like you, I feel like you're going to need center backs that can at least, you know, be able to to dribble and and pass out of situations um more frequently. And so I I kinda agree. Like I don't I don't think I don't I don't I don't see a European team at least one of, you know, one that's that's trying to accomplish, you know, something. I I just don't see it. You know, yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree. If I were a European team looking at a U.S. center back right now, I would be much more interested in Miles Robinson than Michael than Walker Zimmerman. Is it because of, of age? I think it's mostly because of age. I, I do think that this is Robinson's passing is not great still, but I do mm. think that he has the ability shown in. MLS to drop a dime and he's had some great moments charging into the midfield for the U S. So I, I think I rate Robinson higher as a passer and he's five years younger. So I, I tend to see him as a better overall prospect for Europe than Zimmerman. Can I, can I say this and then I'll, I'll let you get back to your, your third, <laughs> um, your third star. Why, why can't we just call a spade a spade? You know, I, I feel like anytime somebody talks about their their you know their their dribbling or passing skills you know it's met with like you know it's met with defensiveness it's just like it's okay i mean they they're good at what they do i mean mm-hmm. but that that that's why we're you know that's why we have these these different podcasts and different channels talking about this stuff because if we didn't analyze it 
what would be the point, you know? But like, yeah, call, you know, it's okay to call a spade a spade. You know, we're not, mm-hmm. we're not, we're you know, we're not negative. We just calling it like we see it. You know, there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't understand the fan base when it comes to that. Um, ah, but <laughs> U.S. fan base is kind of hard to figure out sometimes, but we do our best to try and make some analysis of these guys as best we can. And yeah, I, Zimmerman and Robinson are sort of hard cases to figure out because they are really athletic defenders who do great work for the U.S. men's national team. But their European interest is definitely, you know, hard to analyze because of what the European teams are looking for in their center backs right now. Maybe Robinson, like I said, but it's still there. His passing is not great. And I think that's why we don't see a whole lot of European interest in him. That that's kind of what I'm thinking too. And it's and it's unfortunate because like I think like they're they're obviously athletic enough for these teams in these leagues, but because of the of the somewhat technical deficiencies that can I think that that might hold them back. And so, like, I mean, if, if, I mean, if they're MLS lifers, I mean, that that's not the worst thing in the world. But, you know. Mm-hmm. We, I, I think there's room, especially at center back, for athletic center backs to be sort of the floor guys of the ML. Like, you have to be better than the best 11 MLS center backs in order to sort of earn a call up if you're in Europe. And I don't see anything wrong with having a career like that. And Robinson and Zimmerman are two of the three nominated for MLS center back of the year. So if that's your, if that's where your career goes, I think there's a place for you to at least make us men's national team rosters or force someone to displace you. And I think that's a great career for both Robinson and Zimmerman. If that's what ends up happening for them. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree. So moving on to my third star here, I, I also agree with you. Tim Weah deserves a star because, man, he was fantastic. That was easily his best game in the U.S. shirt. He <laughs> gave Mexico's left back hell all night long. They had zero answers for him. From the first minute, you could see him charging, sort of hitting great balls. He almost got, got an assist to Pepe in like the fifth minute. He basically every highlight you have when you go back and watch the highlights or watch the match again, either starts with or involves Tim Weah doing something fantastic. And, you know, I just I love seeing that energy from him. I love seeing that danger. He was so direct, so willing to take people on and barely put a foot wrong the entire match. He got the assist on Pulisic's goal. He also, if you watch the full build up to uh, McKenney's goal. He put in that a great ball. cross to McKenney. It was like, ball. oh, yeah. what a perfect cross! It was inch perfect. I don't know if McKenney dummied it or if it was meant to, like, if he actually got a touch to get it to Ferreira. Yeah, but- he got a he got a he got a foot on it to 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 get it to Ferreira. And because I, mm-hmm. I think what I think what he I think he realized what he was trying to do is he was trying to give it a one touch, mm-hmm. trap it, kind of trap it, touch. To give it to Jesus Ferreira, and then he was going to mm. start the run, and then the and then I forgot. Like I think, like the ball ricocheted off of uh, uh, a Mexican player, it just happened to be right in front of him. It was just like, <laughs> all right, well, I mean, yeah. let's take the shot. And, yeah. yeah, it was sort of an I'll do it myself. I think he, yeah, he he do- he initially gets the touch to Ferreira, and then it tries to play a one-two with him, and then it just mm. comes right back to him. So he just sort of does it himself. But yeah, the ball from way, kind of springs that whole thing because 
McKenney had dropped that back off to Yedlin, and Yedlin had sort of squirted it out wide for Weya. And Weya does a great job to break the lines and just sort of get it onto McKenney's feet, which was fantastic. I, I love what I'm seeing out of Tim Weya the last few games. For me, he has to be the starter over Paul Areola. And there's honestly a conversation to be had <laughs> once Gio Reyna comes back as to who should start in that right wing spot for me. I don't know if I should be saying this or if I'm going to get roasted on Twitter for saying this, but Reyna might not be able to walk back into a starting role just automatically if Way is playing this well for the U.S. I think Pulisic does, but I don't know if Weya does or, or Reyna does. It's so tough because it's like Gio... Gio is like he, you know, he's gonna be one of those guys. He has quality, and he's he's kind of like where he's kind of like with like how how Pulisic is. It's like when he he steps on the field, you can see the you can see his quality and how clean he is dribbling and and you know just the 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 IQ. So it's just like he has to play like we. He's one of your your most influential players, and he can change a game. He can he can change a game by himself as well. He, at 18 years old, well, he's now 19. He had a, he had a birthday over the the weekend, but at 19 years old, he can also change a game by himself as well. So you want to make sure you want to get him in. Um, if, if what we're hearing with with Greg and he's open to trying the false nine again, we'll we'll see what uh I think he's I think. Greg says he sees Jesus Ferreira as a false nine. If he's open to trying a false nine more, I would even go as far as saying putting Gio as the false nine and to have Gio drop into the midfield sometimes to, to, to you know, to get, you know, to, to gather the ball and then to have the verticality of maybe Pulisic and Wea, and Wea you know, trying to run in behind, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. I, I think the false nine has a place given players like Jesus Ferreira, who was fantastic. I thought he played combined really well mm-hmm. and was kind of unlucky not to score in that game. I, I think the advent of a player like Ferreira, the advent of a player like Wea sort of having a renaissance like he is, and then players like Pulisic and Reyna, you could easily run a false nine, and I think uh, – Pulisic, Wea, Reyna, front three would be really interesting to see how it would work because I think any of those three could play the false nine and you mm-hmm. could sort of interchange them across the line. And I'm not sure many teams could handle that. Probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't. And yeah. I, I think, I don't know, and I honestly think that that's something that Greg should consider. Maybe, maybe not now uh, with, with Gio being hurt, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe after we qualify, or maybe even in the summer when there's friendlies. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know when you yeah. it out. <laughs> Let's experiment with that in a friendly first before we try it in World Cup qualifying, especially given how closely packed the World Cup, the hex or the oct is right now. I'm not really wanting to experiment. I'm just wanting to qualify no matter what it takes. So we'll, we, we've got time before the World Cup to experiment, assuming we qualify. So let's go ahead and move on to strikes real quickly. Um, are there any players' performances that you want to strike from this game or anything at all that you think you'd want to strike from the night? So so let's see here. I would probably say the players that probably had an off night 
we could probably say Pepe for uh Pepe I think did did decently. Um mm-hmm. you know and I, and I, and I, he he battled some of the touches weren't clean. Um and then obviously the you know there was a couple missed chances. He's 18 though. So I'm definitely not going to make him a strike. Um you you just even commend him for <laughs> you throwing in him into <laughs> one of the most pivotal matches of his career so far. And, you know, he didn't back down. So you, you, you can only praise, you know, the, the, the kid. So he's definitely mm. wouldn't, he definitely wouldn't be my strike. Um, even though Tyler Adams was misplaced and he, he misplaced a couple balls, but if he's not, if he's not in that game, I think the midfield doesn't work as, as, as good as it did. So I can't make him a strike. So that only leaves the left side of the, of the field. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's tough. It, 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 it's tough to, to choose between um, Anthony Robinson and, and Brendan Harrison. I don't know. I personally felt like Brendan Harrison was chasing the game the, the the whole match, and it's no fault of his own. It just it just so happened that that um the balls just weren't going his way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it felt a little like an off night for him. Yeah, but I, uh, Anthony Robinson's service into the box wasn't great either. So it's just like it's kind of hard to pick between the two, to be honest. But mm-hmm. yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm going to go with Brendan Harrison just for a simple fact. Like I felt like he was just chasing the game and Yeah. Yeah. If I had to pick someone, I would probably strike either Aronson or Robinson. But I really did think that both of them had fine games. They just weren't to the level of the rest of the US team. Which right. in a game against Mexico, you know, we're not talking really like strikes like this guy was terrible, he shouldn't start the next game. For me it's this guy was not quite as good as the rest of his teammates in a match where we controlled the match. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes you have an off night. Both those guys have performed spectacularly throughout qualifying. And so you're not always going to have your best performance in a U.S. shirt. And they definitely didn't have their best performance. But they both had individual moments that I thought were really well taken. And they prayed overall probably like 6, 6.5 out of 10 is a fair assessment for them. So I'm not really sure if I feel comfortable striking them completely. If I'm going to actually choose any strike from the whole match, I'm striking the ref. <laughs> Cause he That's was fair. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, that is fair. That is fair. I, he was so, I don't, I just don't know what to make of CONCACAF refs. I, I honestly don't. They're so inconsistent. And sometimes it almost you almost question, do they know the, the game of soccer? Do they know the rules? Do they do they review the rules? Like the laws of the game. Do <laughs> like do they actually because like I don't I don't know I don't know what it takes to become a a ref, but like I I'm pretty sure that you have to review the laws of the game before you can even step on a on a field. So yeah, it makes me question. It I, makes me question if they if they even look at it. I don't. Yeah. know. Yeah, I mean it's they're clearly me. scared to give red cards to the Mexican national team players because obviously Chaka Rodriguez deserved one because that 
double face claw on Aronson was a red every single day of the week and three game suspension for me. Yeah. And I thought the red card to Rob to Miles Robinson was fairly weak. And I thought that McKenney's yellow card was fairly weak. So I have my complaints about how he managed the match, but I have my complaints every time that we play Mexico. And that's frustrating. Man. Yeah. I, I really don't understand. Um, uh, the, 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 the double yellow on miles Robinson. I feel like the first yellow. I yeah. Like the, yeah. I feel like the first, it was yellow soft. Day, yeah, it was soft. And then, I, I, I the second yellow I think was actually a more legit yellow, but the first mm-hmm. yellow was just like what? Yeah, <sighs> I, I it was a good dive that happened to be sold as a yellow, which is frustrating. But you know you're not going to win them all. We'll have players step up in the next match to replace our suspended players. So let's go ahead and pivot to the next match here really quickly as we're running a bit out of time. Um, so we're going to go ahead and preview. We've got U.S. Jamaica tomorrow night. We are recording on Monday night. Hopefully by the time this comes out, it will be Tuesday morning and it will be match day. So let's go ahead and chat a little bit about U.S. versus Jamaica. Um, we're going to have, like we said, Weston McKenney, Miles Robinson will be suspended. Let's chat how you change the lineup, given what you saw against Mexico, to sort of adapt for a Jamaica game on the road in Kingston. Well, you know, Greg is not going to change the formation. I, I think he is married to this four-three-three, um, and when he he kind of already hinted that it was not going to be too much rotation to to the squad. So, um, in place of McKinney, um, we I I, I think Busio is going to play. Um, Legit and Acosta are on this, and Rodon are on this squad. But I really don't know where Rodon's best place is with this 4 3 3, especially for Greg. Um, Mm -hmm. I I can't really see him as an eight. And then when deployed as a winger, I feel like he's he's better when he's a winger that's pinched in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I don't. but that's it. Like I said, it really just depends on the wingers themselves. Like, so like for example, when when Pulisic and Geo play, they pinch in and let mm-hmm. Robinson and Dest provide the width. But mm-hmm. with you know, but with the game the other day, um, Tim Wea, Tim Wea and Brendan were providing the width, kind of, mm-hmm. and then. Yellen was kind of staying more so home. He wasn't, I mean, he'll sometimes he'll get up the field and 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 provide with, but um Tim and, and, and Brendan were, were were given the whip. So like it just really just depends on the type of tactics that uh Greg wants to do on that particular day. So I don't I, I can't see Rodon playing as an eight in this system. That's just me personally. Um, so I, I just think by default, you, you're going to have to give Busio the start. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. Who I, who I think that, <laughs> who I think Greg is going to actually put in legit. Do we want legit? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree. I, I, I think that you're right. I would like to see Busio in that spot. 
but I do think it's probably going to be legit with Busio coming off the bench. Greg did hint, though, that Busio is pushing for a starting spot. And if this is there's ever a match to start him, I think it's this one when Weston McKinney is suspended just to see how he's grown since his move to Serie A. So maybe we'll see it. He looked really good last window when he came on for his substitute appearance. I agree. So let's move from Kenny down to the center back. Are you got Richardson for Robinson? I think that's a no. Yeah, I I think that's a no brainer. Um, Look, Mark McKenzie. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that he went to Europe. Um, I like I like like the fact that he he went to a he went and I think he went to a good developmental league. Like I think he he's he he did right by going to. Mm Especially a club that wants to to get young players, develop them, and then you know hopefully ship them off to be better in a better league. So I have you know I, mm-hmm. I give him all the props in the world, but he's just not at the level yet of a Chris Richards. So um, I think I think it's just, I think that that's just again by default. <laughs> I think Chris Richards will will get the nod. Um. But yeah. Besides, yeah, I, I agree. I don't see McKenzie, who's not getting minutes for his club at all, being a serious threat for minutes in this one. I would love to see what we can do. And my one big worry is that this is a big physical Jamaica team. And so he's going to be tested a lot in this game. So we'll, we'll see how it does. I, I really do think he's the right choice, though. Yeah, definitely. And so I think, beyond that, are there other Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say, like, yeah, I think that's gonna be more of a task for Walker Zimmerman. Because I I was like when we compare the two, I think that's mm. really the thing that Zimmerman has over Richards at this point. The strength, not only the strength to, to, to hold up the striker, but to but also in the air. So it's gonna be very interesting to see how Chris Richards um, reacts because, like you said, Mikael, Mikael Antonio, that dude's a that dude's a strong dude. That is a strong mm-hmm. dude, and and he he's very talented too. So, um, mm-hmm. depending on if he starts or you know he might start on, on the bench, that that's gonna be a guy that you're gonna look for. And you're gonna look at the matchup whenever he comes in and see who marks him. Mm-hmm. And and um, you know, just you just go from there. But you definitely want to get Chris. You definitely want to get Chris in here to to get some minutes, to get some experience, um, mm-hmm. because he's going to be vital. He's going to be vital down mm-hmm. the stretch. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. We'll, we're going to need him a lot. So I, I'd love to see what he can do against a in improving every single match. Jamaica side. Let's go to some other positions. I know that we know for a fact Joe, Joe Scally's not starting. Greg said that today. Hopefully he dresses. Do you think Yedlin starts again, or do you switch him up for Reggie Cannon? Now that I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 you know, with Greg, you, you just never know. Um, yeah. He, I, I think that he might go ahead and, and give Reggie Cannon a nod and then Maybe at like halftime or something, Scally gets. I mean, or, mm-hmm. or what? Or maybe if the game is in, you know, basically out of reach. Either way, Scally mm-hmm. gets in. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. Gellin. I, I think Gellin's gonna probably get the the day off. 
I, I per- personally would prefer Yedlin. I just, you know, Reggie Cannon's been such a ghost for his, where his he's playing in. Yeah. yeah, for his club in Portugal. I forget what it is off the top of my head. But with Reggie Cannon not getting good club minutes, I really do want to see Yedlin continue to keep that spot and hopefully see Scally off the bench, assuming we have the commanding lead or, you know, hopefully not. We're getting blown out. Just... I, yeah, Scally to me is such an exciting prospect. I'd love to see him get his first cap this window. Beyond that, I think there's only one real position left in the lineup that could be up for debate. Do you see Pulisic starting, or do you see him playing super sub again? Um, I know Greg said that it, it's still like it's a it's a you know it's basically a call up up to the the minute to see if, if if it's possible if he if he'll start or not. I personally probably wouldn't start him again. I would mm-hmm. just I would probably do another super sub because like I think I, at this point I think we're we we're in such good form right now, and mm-hmm. you know we got good such good momentum that I don't think we need to we need to push him. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, yeah, he's, and he's such a good super sub, like probably top five in the world for players you want to bring off the bench to run at tired legs. And so, especially with Jamaica's back line being significantly weaker than their front three, I I would love to see them bring Pulisic in and see what he can do running at tired legs. Definitely, definitely. And I mean, I mean, he's used to doing that with Chelsea. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can you can make the argument should he you know should he be a starter or a sub? But whenever he does play, he you know he's he's electric. So, um, I I just think right now with him and in his health and and you know him him getting up to speed and getting fed again, I I I say like he should just come off the bench and um. Also, too, it's just yeah. like we—I just, you know—we just need to see what Jamaica comes out with, and mm-hmm. see if the guys that we put out there can, you know, can create can create some chances, maybe get a a, a goal or something out of it. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I just think like it's just really just up to him to to get fit right now, and I don't—I I say don't push it, don't push him. I agree. So let's go ahead and wrap up this Jamaica preview real quickly here. Give one to the game for the Yanks here and then a score prediction to wrap it up. Okay. So I key to the game. Midfield has to dominate again. And um I I, I from what I remember, this Jamaica team has, you know, has a few more, you know, a few more players that they didn't get from last window. Uh, you know, I'm not entirely sure of the, the new players that they've, you know, acquired through this window, but apparently they got better. So, but you still want to see if the midfield, what it, you know, whatever midfield pairing that Greg puts out there can still dominate because if they, if they dominate Jamaica, I believe won't get many chances, and I and I think that uh, you know I I think that we will will be able to control the game better, and I have a possibility at another three points. 
Um, score prediction, I say, I think it's going to be 3-0 USA. 3-0 for the Yanks. Ooh, a bold prediction. I like it. I'm going to go ahead and give my uh, key to the game. I'll echo what you said. The midfield is key. The Jamaican midfield is all championship level players in the in the English championship right now. So dominating them would be a great sign from this. Uh, what we're assuming is going to be a BAM, a BAM midfield um, for the U.S. <laughs> my key to the game, though, is going to be transition opportunities. We know that Jamaica's back line is probably their weakest spot on the field. And so I think they're going to, and we also know that Jamaica doesn't like to bunker and play that low block 4-4-2 that we see a lot in CONCACAF. So there'll be opportunities to hit them in transition and we have the players to make them pay. So I, I do think that, you know, winning the transition battles, being able to turn, make get a turn and turn that into goals is going to be really big for the U.S. in this game. So if they win, it's going to be on the backs of their transition play. With that said, I think we're going to see a 2-1 U.S. win. Hopefully the two of us are right and the Yanks can pull it off when they hit the field. By the time everyone's listening to this, it will be later today. So with that said, let's go ahead and wrap this up with some last words. Any last words for our listeners here, Manny? Um, We're in, we're in a good spot right now. Um, You know, I, I think... The first couple windows, we were all worrying, and you know we didn't we didn't get the results that we, that we typically wanted. But now, you know, I feel like we're a lot more confident now. So, just enjoy the ride. This is obviously this is not my first World Cup qualifying, um, but that that's just you know that's just the you know the, the you know that's just what it is. You know, mm-hmm. you you'll get roller coaster results. So, but we're in a good position. So, you know, just, you know, enjoy the ride, you know? Yeah, I I agree. It's fantastic to watch. I'm so glad that we got a great result on Friday. Just amazing stuff that we'd love to build on. Let's see if we can build some consistency going into this Jamaica match. Well, that's it for our podcast here today. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. If you want to join Manny and I in the U.S. Soccer Discord server, I'll make sure to put a link on the Yanks Go Talking Twitter. Reminder that you can follow us at Yanks Go Talking with our brand new Twitter account. I'll also make sure that we add this to the description of both the YouTube video and any places that we can add a description in all of our podcast listings. So with that, for Thomas and Manny signing off, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week and go USA. Go USA. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.